morning, everybody. Hey, grab your message notes. Ben told you we're in this series called Bless This Home. We're really questioning what is the difference and what would it look like if our homes weren't just Christian homes, but a Christ-centered home. Last week, we talked about a Christ-centered home, hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Next week, we'll have a 60-voice choir here from Azusa Pacific University and talking about and celebrating Christ-centered moms and Mother's Day. The week after that, we'll talk about what does it look like if if you have a Christ-centered home when you face persecution. Because if you're going to have a Christ-centered home, I promise you there'll be pushback. And then the following week, we'll talk about what does it look like to have a Christ-centered home that's peacemaking. Blessed are the peacemakers. In your home, there are either peacemakers or peace takers. There's really no middle ground, and we'll talk about that. And then we'll jump into the roles in the home. We'll talk about Christ-centered marriage and Christ-centered kids and parenting. And then on Father's Day, we'll wrap it up talking about Christ-centered dads, and I can't wait for that one. Uh, We're talking about fight like a man, and there's times you turn the cheek, there's times you need to throw a punch. Not literally, but uh, exert yourself. So I'm looking forward to that. And let's, well, Ben pray, but I want to pray one more time because we're talking about uh, the number one issue that has killed faith that I've seen in my 30 years of being a pastor, by far. The number one issue that's caused more relational pain, broken up more marriages than any other issue ever, the issue of impurity. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time, and thank you for your word, and thank you for the hearts of my friends, family, their family. I love them like family. God, you've already heard the prayers of the staff this morning. There's no music or rhetorical skill that will change a heart. That's why we're here. We're all here. We all need change in hope and perspective. And while the enemy would love to accuse, steal, kill, destroy, condemn, bring shame, I pray your voice would prevail that brings conviction, grace, and truth. Find us to be fertile soil, Lord, and willing to obey. We pray this in Christ's name. Everyone said? Amen. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been robbed before? Anyone ever had their house broken into? Very invasive. Uh, Two years ago, our next-door neighbor's house was robbed at 5.30 in the afternoon on a May day, almost broad daylight. Uh, The intruders didn't come through the front door. They actually, our daughters were playing with their daughters out in the street. They came through the back door and ripped them off. And that changed everything for me. Within a month, I had called ADT and put a security system in with all the alarms. Within a month, I had motion-activated lights around the perimeter of our house. I even installed a video surveillance system. They're pretty cheap nowadays. So I can see 24-7 on a hard drive that's somewhere in the cloud with technology I don't understand who plays in our yard and who comes around our yard. There's something in us that wants to protect our homes, our assets, our kids, our spouses physically. I'm amazed at all the protective measures we go through to protect our homes. I practically have to bubble wrap my eight-year-old daughter before she goes roller skating. Helmet, she can barely move, right? And, and yet that's just protocol today. But it seems like there is a different standard when it comes to protecting the purity of our homes. We care about physical and unintended and uninvited intruders. We deadbolt doors. We password protect our devices. Uh, We even call Terminex, right, to take care of unwanted little critters and pests. But it seems 
We care less about the moral intruders or immoral intruders who may, I contend, pose a greater threat to our house and to our spiritual life. Now, what would it look like if you didn't just protect the physical premise of your home? What would it look like if you protected, regardless if you're a child or mother or father or woman or man, the moral, spiritual purity of your home? Uh, Just as my neighbor was robbed physically, we have an enemy who wants to rob us of our purity, who wants to steal our legacies as followers of Christ, who wants to swindle our children of their innocence. And, and it's just, it's wreaking havoc. I'm telling you, it's wreaking havoc. Why this matters. Uh, maybe you're sitting here and you're visiting, you're a guest, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, what are we talking about here? Uh, this matters. If you don't think purity is for you, I think every one of us would want our children or grandchildren to date someone who valued purity, right? Who honored purity purity, who cared about someone for more than their body. This really matters. And our key thought for the series is we're not just a Christian family, uh, Christian in name. We talked about this last week. 80% of American homes identify as Christian. 80%. And you look at all the immorality in our country, not just just immorality of sexuality, but uh, immorality of greed, and we'll get into some of that here. Something's wrong, because Jesus, if 80% of our, our country was following Jesus, we wouldn't have this level of theft and, and crime and what have you in our culture. We're not just going to be settling for a Christian home. We're going to settle for a Christ-centered home. And how does this inform the area of purity? Uh, look at this beatitude in Matthew 5.8. Look at it on the screen here. Blessed, remember last week we talked about that word is a deep fulfillment that's contained. It's not based on outward circumstance. In Jesus, you can be blessed. Blessed are the pure in heart. The premise, you'll see God. You'll see God. And I put on the bottom below below the verse what heart meant in the first century in, in the Greek language. See, when Jesus spoke this beatitude, he was thinking of much more than purity in a broader sense than I'm gonna focus on today. When Jesus spoke about purity, Jesus was talking about purity of attitude, purity of motive, uh, purity of thoughts towards others, purity in how we treat one another. He was talking about things like greed and gluttony and pride and integrity and the way we view and value all people. When Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, he had in his mind things like racism and sexism and all those other isms that erode the culture of who we are. But for our purposes, I want to focus on the purity that I believe is the biggest threat to my home and to your home, moral purity. Why? Why are we focusing on moral purity? Some of you right now are just going, dang, I chose the wrong Sunday to go to church. (laughs) Why are we talking about moral purity? By far, like I told you, this is the number one killer, by far, of of Christian passion It's the number one cause of shame and depression uh, in counseling I do. It's the creator, number one by far, of lukewarm faith. I'm not over-exaggerating when I say in my 35 years of walking with the Lord, this area is the leading cause of killing faith of people I've seen around me. It is the leading cause of relational pain 
of people I've encountered. Last summer, I was doing a family camp with the leading author uh, of books and, and his websites, the biggest website to students and families and homes. And he pulled me aside and he said, you know, honestly, he said, um, literally, I'm quoting him here, pornography could be the thing that takes this generation of teenagers down. So what's the standard? Look at Ephesians 5, 3. Ephesians 5, 3. You know this, I'm just reminding us, but Paul says, among all of us, there must not even, not be even a hint. Can we just say it together? Not be even a hint. One more time. Not be even a hint of sexual immorality. I've told you the Greek word for sexual immorality. I've told you this before. Pornea. Pornea. Not even a hint of pornea. And then he goes on, or any kind of impurity. Or of greed. Now we're all in here, right? Because they are all improper for God's holy people. Now we, every week, are making this in a family edition. Here's Ephesians 5.3 for the home. And my hope is that you would share this in your home and talk about this in the home. Look what it says, the family edition. Next slide, Barney. But among your home, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for a Christ-centered home. In other words, God's standard, pursue perfect purity. I know we all fall short, and that's why I didn't say perfect purity. I said the standard is to pursue perfect purity. We all need God's grace here, everybody. Uh, right here, I fall short in this area. I do not live up to Ephesians 5.3. I've been convicted by this because in my life, I told you this after my sabbatical, I have just become way too um, okay with what I call acceptable sin in my heart. But this week, studying for this, that line, not even a hint, has been so motivating and encouraging me. Now, when it comes to your home or your mind or your relationship, honestly, what's your standard of purity? If this is the door of your heart... How open do you make it to impurity? What's your standard? We saw the biblical standard, not even a hint. I'm asking you to self-identify right now. What's your standard? How far open do you leave that door? Well, there's 10,080 minutes in a week and you only watch five minutes of porn a week. That sounds like a hint. Is that your standard? Five minutes out of 10,080? Or, hey, I just, I just see a movie and it has a sex scene in it. and I'm, It's okay. It's a movie. It's theater. I'm just justifying. Is that your standard? Or you're in a gym working out and there's the third look at that person in the gym. Wow, your creation's amazing, God. Is that your standard? Or, or laughing and, and passing on only one sexist joke that makes fun of the other sex. Is that your standard? Or what about a racist joke? How many of those do you laugh at a week? Or I'm just going to sleep with my girlfriend once a month. Every other time I'll be a good boy, but once a month I get a pass. Is that your standard? What about greed? 
What about gluttony? And you can go on and on. Do you see here? Do you see? I think, honestly, I think we've just let our guard down in the area of impurity. We are in this tsunami of an impure culture, and we, we forget the standard. And so we let our guard down, and it's wreaking havoc on our souls. Let alone, look at the blessing again, everybody. Matthew 5, 6. Look at the blessing of it. The pure in heart see God. This is so important in how we view God our impurity. So what I want to talk about, we're all under grace. I need grace. Does anyone else need grace? Is anyone else convicted yet? I can keep going. Okay, right, good. Praise God for grace. That's why we worship. But how do we create a culture of purity in our home? In the Gadini home, we do a rite of passage with each one of our girls around this. And it's in the context of a relationally connected, uh, physically very affectionate, fun, and Christ-valuing home. Um, and in this rite of passage, my part is to take the girls out and have an authentic heart-to-heart with them. Uh, I share my story that I wasn't a Christian in high school and part of college, and I share how badly I wish my dad would have done this with me when I was their age. It would have made all the difference for me. My parents basically sent me into a world of dating and adolescence with zero tools. So I based my informed my sexual values on my peers and on pornography. And trust me, that's not what you want to say, uh, base your sexual values on. Uh, recently, I did this with Bella. So pretend this door is that uh, restaurant in Palo Alto, the Melt. Three weeks ago, we did this at the Melt. This is that door. We walked in. We sat down in a restaurant. That was Bella's choice. And we went through what I call the purity code. If you're wondering what you can give to your kids or your grandkids to equip them in this, just write that word down, the purity code. Google it. Look it up. And, um, and you'll get these resources yourself. What does purity look like? Page two. Here we go. Not even a hint. Here's the first. Oh, look, fill-ins again. Right on. Here we go. Honor God with your body. Honor God with your body. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says, Flee, the word means to run with vigor, uh, to get its way away as far and fast as possible. There's even a way, a place where that word's used in Scripture, meaning to disappear. Uh, flee from sexual immorality, porneia. All the other sins a person commits are outside their body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Don't you know that our bodies, your bodies, are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom, God has re- whom you've received from God? Whoa, what? Yes, I sit down with my daughters and say, Bella, God doesn't just care about your soul. He cares about your physical body. This physical body is a gift given to you by God. And then I tell her this, and this is what an all-daughter dad can say. These guys in high school, they want this body. You follow a man, and not follow, but date a man who wants your heart. That's the man you will never regret dating or marrying. Not a man that wants your body. It goes on. It says, you're temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you, who you received from God. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You know this, but in the Old Testament, God was contained in one place. It was called the temple, right? And then in AD 70, the temple was decimated. Jesus predicted it. And now, where does God dwell? I'm looking at it right here. and We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, and the temple was so holy that you had to go through these rituals to enter into it because God is holy. 
And when he dwelled in a physical place on earth, you had to make sure there were sacrifices and that you were ritually clean to enter in. In this case, God is putting an ethic for all of us, and this is an ethic for how we treat each other in the church. You're looking at the temple of the Holy Spirit right there when you look at each other. And we dare not treat each other in a profane way. So the first part of the purity code is honoring God with your body. So much more than sexually. This goes into uh, you know, food issues. This goes into substance issues. There's an ethic for all of us. God cares about your body. He cares about it so much that uh, our body one day will be redeemed in heaven. I don't know how that's going to work. Even though we decay on the earth, God is going to redeem our body in heaven and give us new bodies. You are more than just a soul. You're a body. Honor God with it. The second aspect of the purity code, this is really important, is renewing our mind for good. Renew your mind for good. The Bible says, don't conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transform literally is where we get metamorphosis from. Whenever I'm speaking to someone who's a follower of Christ and they say, I can't change, I'm like, oh, don't say that. Don't say you believe in the Bible and you can't change. Because right here it says, we can change by renewing our mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. At this point, I turn to my daughter and say, Bella, you know why that's in there? Because God wants to protect your most powerful sexual organ, your mind. Your mind. For 17 years, I was a youth pastor, and if I heard it once, I heard it a million times. Uh, teenage guys, guys in their adolescence, college guys, I hear it even from 20-somethings today. Uh, I can't stop the sexual drive. And I'm like, don't give me that garbage. You can stop the sexual drive. But they never believed me. I said, I'll prove it to you. Let's say you're with your girlfriend in the home. You think you're alone. And you're sitting on the couch watching a movie. I won't go very far with this, okay? But, but, but the engines are running, and you're feeling sexually attractive, and you start to engage, and all of a sudden, the door opens, and her Navy SEAL father walks in. What happens to your sexual drive then? Just that moment, like, oh, oh, I guess it goes away. I'm like, where does it go? I'm like, it doesn't go away, but here's the deal. There, here's what I tell them. When their father walks in, someone weightier than the sexual drive is in your presence. And suddenly you want to honor her father by the way you treat her. What Paul's saying in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 2 is this. We need to keep God and his glory and his beauty and feel the weight of his majesty on our souls. It will keep your sexual libido in check and in place when we experience the beauty of god and feel the weight of god's majesty the power of sin is broken it really is let me just say that again when you excuse me when you feel the weight of god in his majesty when you renew your mind with that it goes a long long way to diminishing the power of sin's grip on us i have a note in here if you're married that our job as husbands and wives, if we're married, is to renew our minds and let our spouse be our ultimate standard of beauty. 
when I was 26 and I married my wife, who was 24, I was really attracted to 24-year-old brunettes. I'm no longer, I'm trying to renew my mind. Now I'm really attracted. I can't tell you her age, otherwise I will not be here next week. <laughs> but I've been married 26 years, you do the math. <laughs> Somehow I'm really into 50-year-old mothers of five. That's my standard of beauty. You renew your mind with that stuff. It doesn't come naturally. Naturally, I'd stick with 24-year-olds. Renewing your mind. Okay? Then the, the, the purity code goes on. Turn your eyes from worthless things. Turn your eyes from worthless things. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be uh, dark, full of darkness. If the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And I say to my daughter, watch where you look. Remember the standard, not even a hint. See, darkness is interesting. Uh, we went to a movie last night. This shows you the difference between having a son and having daughters. Guardians of the Galaxy. Beauty and the Beast. Um, and I had the full jug of popcorn. When you walk into that theater, Theater 17 last night, it's like the darkness is assaulting. You ever done that? It's, it's like you can't see a thing. And then suddenly, little by little, your eyes adjust to the darkness. My fear in my own life, and I'm truly, I'm not just throwing faith out to you. I'm the worst of sinners but my fear is that our eyes have adjusted to the darkness a little too much in our culture. And so I say to my daughter, watch where you look, just like daddy has to watch where he looks. We choose what we want to look and watch at and, and watch. That's why in the Gadini house, all our screens uh, are accessible to everybody. My daughters can access my smartphone, and they do all the time, look through my pictures, they look through, uh, they look through my uh, internet searches. They can access anything, and we can too, on their screens. It's why every Saturday I get a readout from my best friend who's a member of this church, and it's a, I get a readout of every internet search that's gone on in that house through something called Covenant Eyes, if you want to know a great accountability software, Covenant Eyes. And it just flags everything from YouTube searches to Facebook searches. And his family knows. His kids know. Whatever you're looking at, Pastor Gary's looking at too. So be careful what you want to look at. Why is this important? 2008 was the first year kids spent more time online than watching TV. Kids spend more time on this than a television. 2011 was the first year that mobile devices became the greatest distributor of pornography in our culture, right here. And the number one user, 12 to 17-year-old boys. Number one time access, pornography is accessed between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. in the afternoon. This is important, friends. So important, Time, uh, Time Magazine put a cover article about this last year. That was the title in April of 2016 of Time Magazine. It was, I couldn't believe it. And the story was surprising, not for the information it shared, but it outlined, because it outlined the same dangers surrounding pornography that we've been seeing in the church all along. What was amazing was 
that these dangers are finally being considered in mainstream media. And I'm going to quote from this article. It says, quote, porn is similar to other stimulating things like junk food, video games, and that those things have the potential to desensitize you to normal, natural things and ultimately rob you of the one thing you think they'll give you, the ability to experience pleasure. This whole article's premise is how we developed a generation of unlimited porn, and now 20-something-year-old men are saying, I can't even be with a real woman. I can't even be with a real spouse because I've been so desensitized. Maybe there's more danger to porn, the culture saying, than we've given credence to. Honor God by turning your eyes from worthless things. And then the purity code goes on. Guard your heart above all else. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, in other words, if you're going to read one verse in the book of Proverbs, this is it. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. And in that point, I turn to Bella and say, girl, don't follow your heart. Lead your heart. Your heart will lead you into the wrong places sometimes. So you lead your heart. Bell, while most guys in high school will pursue your body, you want to marry a man who pursues your heart. That's what my wife wants from me more than anything else. She doesn't want me to go through the motions. She doesn't want me just to speak a love language. She wants me to go after her heart. And the scripture is saying, above all else, guard your heart. Jesus was fanatical about this. So how do we wrap this up? At this point, uh, with Bella... I open a little jewelry box, and I give her a purity ring. Now, you need to understand that, and I say this to her, this is my purity ring, by the way. My wife gave it to me for our 15th wedding anniversary. I use that, and this wrist, my daughters know about this. It, has, uh, it was a daddy-daughter conference I went to with uh, one of my girls. It says, honesty, purity, integrity. It's my purity bracelet. And I tell them, like, purity is as important for daddy at 52 as it is for you at 13. But I would say to them, there's no power in this purity ring. When I'm home alone at night and no one's watching and there's a temptation that comes across my way, it's not like I just hold up the ring like Wonder Woman or something like that, right? I'm like, Belle, when I say have a purity ring, I'm giving you this because it's a symbol of what we've talked about here. But there's a different kind of purity ring I want you to have. And so let's read this passage in Hebrews chapter 3. This is what I went through with her. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. How many of you, is that your ambition? It's none of ours. Everyone look right here. And it's never been the starting ambition of the Christ-following man in my office who's weeping like a baby because he has a porn addiction, or a drug addiction, or an alcohol addiction, or an affair. He's not saying, this is exactly what I wanted. He's crying because he's like, I never thought I would be this guy right now. Listen, ambition's important, but even ambition only has so much power. See to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. Okay, author of Hebrews, how do we do that? He says, 
create a purity ring, but a different kind of purity ring. But here he says, here's how you stay away from that. Whoa, community. Encourage one another. That word encourage follows, it has a wide vector from rah, rah, you can do it, go, 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 all the way to rebuke. It has a wide vector to exhort, to stop what you're doing. That's what the whole word group of encourage here. Encourage one another as long as it's called today. In other words, you need this every day so that none of you may be hardened. Now look at this. Not by sin. What's the hardening that's being prevented? The deceitfulness of sin. It's not logical. Uh, Belle and the girls and I are big Stanford women's volleyball fans. And so I use that illustration as a purity ring. This is what happens after every play on the volleyball court at Stanford. Whether they blow it or whether they just spiked it on some girl's head and I'm cheering, I'm going, that's awesome. And then everyone's looking at me like, you're, you're crude. You're, that's sad. You shouldn't be glad that someone's ball got spiked on their head, but I'm sick like that. They always come back together. And when a girl blows it, the purity ring kicks in. And they clap and say, come on, keep your head in the game. That play doesn't define you. We'll get it next time. Encouragement. And when they do great, they come back together, raise their hands. All right, we're going to do it again. I, say, I point to my girls and say, that's the purity ring and the only kind of purity ring that's going to keep you going in Christ for the rest of your life. You need it right now, I told Belle three weeks ago at 15, and I need it at 52. That's why Daddy has his purity ring every week on Tuesday mornings and Thursdays. And Wednesdays, because it says as long as it's called today. Do you have a purity ring? If you stopped moving forward in your Christian life, who would know? Who would care? Who would step in to your home, knock through your door? And this has actually happened to me. It's kind of embarrassing, but I'm so grateful they did. And just said, you know, they didn't even knock. Just came in and I'm like, oh, what are you doing here? Actually, your wife called. She has some concerns, so we're going to take you out to dinner and talk with you. Early in on my marriage, that's what happened. My purity ring kicked in when I was a knucklehead in the way I was treating my wife. They said, you just can't say these things. And if you, they told me this, I was a young married guy. And if you get upset with her that she called us, We'll walk through your door again and have a different conversation. You should be thankful that she called us. Who's your purity ring? See, the only way we're going to live into that Ephesians 5.3 standard, I believe, is having this purity ring. I'm not going to ask you to fix your heart this morning because you can't fix your heart. The hope for all of us is to access a new heart. Last passage. I know we're going over in time, but this is worth it. Look on the screen here, Ezekiel 36. And let me read this to you. This is why we live in grace here. That's why it says up there, we value, where is it? Oh, Practicing healthy in relationships. It used to say giving and receiving grace. We're all about grace around here. Look what it says. God's promise to us. Then I'll sprinkle clean water on you. You'll be clean. 
I'll cleanse you from all your filthiness, from all your idols. It's, jobs, God, it's God's job to do this. Moreover, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. We get that today. I'll remove the heart of stone and flesh, uh, and I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you'll be careful to observe my ordinances. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. And so I come to God on a regular basis and just say, I want to live out of that new heart. And when I fall short, I come to God and say, God, there was a hint of sexual immorality in my life. Would you forgive me for that? And continually come back and back and back. Not even a hint. Blessed are the pure in heart. They'll see God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this. I have a feeling I'm not alone in the area of uh, immorality, impurity, greed. I thank you so much that you made provision for the human existence by sending Jesus on the cross to die for us. Father, would you give us a new heart? And you know our prayer this morning. Would the level and standard of purity be raised around here so that we have uh, access to see you and we have new life and truly changed lives to offer others? I pray for conversations because of this message. I pray for purity rings to rise up I pray for great, great encouragement. That's what you want for your church, Lord. I want it too. And I pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We're located at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard in Redwood City, California. You can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com.